Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome back to the Round 15 review. We'll go through all eight games to break down what happened on the weekend. I've got Johnny with me, mate. Johnny, how are you? Very well, mate. Happy almost 30th birthday, Matt. Yeah, thank you. You celebrated the big 2-9 yesterday. Had a couple of the lads out for a little <laughs> night out. It was a bit of fun. But um, yeah, getting close to the getting close to big 3 it's pretty sad when um, you're older than most of the NRL players. But, you know, it gives me a bit of wisdom to talk about the footy, I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, mate. Let's get into the rounds, eh? So first up from Suncorp Stadium with the South Sydney Rabbitohs defeating the Brisbane Broncos 46-0 and this was this was rabbits in third gear they weren't even clicking on all cylinders and they still put 46 here Norm, what's what's the state of the Broncos here we can talk about the rabbits in a sec but the state of the Broncos getting another huge score put on them at home uh, where where do we go from here yeah that's that's the question everyone's uh, mind at the moment you know um, there's been news reports that yeah, Kevy's starting to lose the locker room. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough situation for the Broncos. It's they, they you know that that win over the Roosters in the cricket ground that just seems like you know it, it was um, so long ago now, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's honestly when we look back at the end of the season, it's probably gonna be the one result we look at and go, what happened? Like, did the Roosters have like ten plays out? Like, what what happened? But. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The reports now that, you know, he's Kevy's already starting to swing the axe with his 2022 roster. You know, TPJ told he's free to go. Uh, looks like Asako's on the outer now. Um, Corey Oates confronting Kevy at training. Just a lot of stories that you're hearing that, you know, it kind of reminds me of like towards the end of Seabold. And obviously uh, there was a lot more performances and other things that came with the Seabold experience, but... Kevy's not really getting bashed in the media because obviously he's very close to all the Fox, the Fox footy guys. And, you know, he's a beloved member of the NRL community, but yeah, some of these results are leaving a lot to be desired. I don't know. I don't know where to go. Cause you look at this game here, you know, the forwards got rolled. The outside backs couldn't defend the, the attack was, you know, brittle and didn't offer much. I just don't know where we go from here. If you're a Brisbane fan. Yeah. It's almost deja vu with the Broncos. You know, I'm looking at the ladder again, they're sitting, you know, dead last, albeit that they haven't had their two points on the bye. Um, but yeah, it will be a hard pill to swallow for you know such a fourth of grace for such a proud club if they do end up getting the spoon back to back here. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, you know, I'm gonna have a pat on soon. We're gonna he's a big Broncos fan from our group, and we're gonna kind of go through really the last four years because you kind of look at this bit of a bit of a slump, and it does really start from the 2017 season. And, you know, I was saying in the group chat, you know, the the fact that they let Dave Fafita go because they had to re-sign Pengai and Matt Lodge. And from the sounds of it, both of those guys won't be there next season and Dave Fafita's, you know, doing good things for the Titans. So a lot of mismanagement, a lot of, you know, poor performances, but the guys that are out there need, need to go and do a job. Let's turn to the Rabbitoh side here because, like I said, they didn't really get out of third gear here, but they still put on a masterful show. Yeah, that's right. You know, the um, that left edge again, you know, did um, I think AJ got a hat-trick again. It's, okay. I guess, humming along in third gear. Yeah, he got a double and really should have had about four or five. It was really 
a lot of guys not part. Like Dane Gay guy didn't pass in the ball and didn't do any favors, but yeah, it was an absolute romp. You know, I thought Latrell was going to absolutely carve up, but he took a real big backseat in the second half, and it turned into the Cody Walker Alex Johnston show. Mm. All right, so just quickly on this on this one here, I did predict thirty four to ten to the Rabbits, so obviously a little bit out on the scoreline. I did have Latrell for the. For the top score, it looked good really early on. Had the try and the assist, but yeah, it did back off. And it was Cody Walker, it was AJ, and it was your boy Campbell Graham. So if you had any of the Rabbitohs there, you jumped on and you you got some good points there in the Super Coach realm. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, you know, did it in third gear. They didn't really need all their guns firing. They didn't need Damon Cook firing. Um, yeah, they just did it with ease. Just steamrolled them right through the middle. Yep. Not very competitive for the first game, but we go to the second game of the round, and this was very competitive. It was the Cronulla Sharks defeating the North Queensland Cowboys 26-24. to And the Cowboys, who were really out of it for most of the game, they had a really spirited comeback in the second half, but the Sharks just hung on. Nom, going into the Sharks, let's look at the Sharks right here. They're four straight now. They've got most of their guys back on, back on deck here. Are we seeing the Sharks? Uh, if they can get into the eight, they can make a bit of noise. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, looks like Sean Johnson, you know, he's back from that uh, long-term Achilles injuries and he's, you know, he is playing for a contract and I guess, you know, even without, um, with, even without Chad Townsend there, they've got Matt Wallen, they're both playing really great footy and I guess it's uh, no coincidence that they're, you know, they are actually um, you know, giving those in the eighth a run for their money. Yeah, 100%. I think Sean Johnson just come in, and again, this is a very different Sean Johnson to the young guy who was running around for the Warriors. You know, a couple of lower leg injuries has slowed him down, but he's still, you know, he does bring out the step and the run when he needs it. But his kicking game and his passing game has really taken a good step forward. And I heard uh, Bill Chambers in an interview saying, you know, Sean Johnson's the one who controls and Matt Moreland swings out the back and links up with Will Kennedy. And it's working really well. Their forward pack, you know, no Wade Graham, obviously due to his uh, concussion issues, but Talakai came in on the edge, did, a, did an okay job. Then you got your Toby Rudolphs, your Aiden Tolmans, and your Aaron Woods. So they're all just firing right now. And going over the Cowboys side, you know, the Tom Dearden um, midseason switch with um, Jay Clifford, obviously, it's going to take some time. Scott Drinkwater, who's been the primary playmaker for this team all season, did look a little bit lost in this game. Uh, I guess let's talk about Scott Drinkwater because I think he's a fascinating player moving forward for next season. They've obviously got uh, Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden lined up for next season. Val Holmes is also there. So it kind of does leave Scott Drink uh, Scott Drinkwater on the outer there. Do you think that he's going to really try and make a run for this to, you know, dis- displace one of those three guys for the rest of the season? Um, yeah, that's a tricky one. You know, Val is playing some great footy if, and I don't think, you know, he's going to displace Chad Townsend, who, who they've got. I, I guess he's, at the end of the day, he's a premiership-winning halfback. I think the most likely might be Tom Dearden there. Um, you know, I think the the Broncos were, after he left, they maybe admitted that, you know, he might have been overhyped or whatever. So I think Tom Dearden's the most likely to uh, be replaced out of those three. Yeah, it's a cautionary tale for, you know, we, we heard, we've heard a lot of things about uh, Tom Dearden coming through the grades. And, you know, when he did make that debut for... Brisbane and you know when they were losing games and being last like they are now um, a lot of people didn't point the finger at Tom Dearden because obviously he's the young guy and you know he's trying to you know break into grade 
But, you know, it's kind of telling that he's now moved into his second team. And he had a good game. He did take the line on and, you know, did get over the stripe for a try. But just doesn't really strike me as that lead playmaker. And maybe a season or two with uh, Chad Townsend, who, like you said, is a premiership winning half and, you know, can teach him a couple of things that he needs to learn. But I don't know. It's going to be really tough to see, you know, they've got three halves there next season. And I'm not really, haven't got a lot of confidence in in all three. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. But Let's quickly talk about Jason Tomololo, my boy. Um, obviously been watching him very closely this season, the minutes. So we spoke very early on in the season, Todd Payton utilized him around that 45-minute mark. It's been fluctuating between, you know, 50 to 70 in some weeks. If you're another club, and, you know, we've spoken about this a couple of times on the podcast, if you're, in a couple, if you're another club that, you know, needs a big damaging front rower or a big damaging lock to, you know, take that team to the next level, do you just go to the Cowboys and you know, Godfather offer them to try and get Jason Tomlinson off their hands early? Yeah. So I'm trying to think, I guess, in this sort of new, uh, with the new rules moving forward, how a team would use him, I guess, that they might use him like sort of like a paint house, really, like a prop, you know, eating the meters because they sort of need to have, um, they're, they're probably a club which, you know, has a good 13, has a good creative sort of ball player, and they need that sort of go forward to help, you know, bring the creative players move, uh, moving forward. So I, I think that, you know, a club like that might benefit from, you know, giving the Cowboys a call and seeing um, if Lolo was up for offer. Yeah, I think there's, like you said, it could definitely go two ways. I think, you know, preferably what I would love to see Jason Tomola kind of develop the next year in a bit is kind of turning that John Asiata role where he can really be like, you know, improve the ball skills, take the ball to the line and get it out the back a little bit, you know, and even like, you know, a guy like Tom Lillard shouldn't be kicking, but if he was to develop a little, you know, stab grubber into the end goal, you know, just add that little extra element that, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult to kind of like target him. And then, like you said, the pain has type, you know, just come on, even like how Pengai is on an edge, you know, just do little bursts of like, you know, 25 minute stints in and out, you know, just trying to, create a matchup on 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 an edge there. I think it's definitely where you want to see because right now how he's being played, Todd Payton's a good coach and we've seen what he's been doing with this roster this season. You know, he's getting the most out of this roster, but it's the one glaring thing on this roster that I'm just not sold on right now is how they're utilizing a, a player like with the stature of Jason Tomalolo. You know, he should be really breaking winning games for them, but right now it kind of looks like he's hampering them in a lot of ways because they're trying to feed him the ball when he needs to. And then in defense, you know, obviously the other teams are trying to work him over with the new rules. Yeah, that's right. He, he's a big body, and um, um, he he was actually caught out, you know, from Todd Payton earlier in the year about his defensive liabilities. But gee, just in attack, he's maybe even like a David Fida almost type of role, like on the edge of the Titans, because you know everyone knows what kind of um, he, he's he's essentially a wrecking ball. He was like the best. Pretty much forward in the game. Yeah, hundred percent. Now going on this one, I had the Sharks winning twenty to twenty, so pretty close on the scoreline. I did have Will Kennedy for the top scorer, but it was Kyle Felt from the the Cowboys that cracked the ton. So if you had Felt there, you're pretty happy there. We'll move on to the next game. It was the the final uh, Friday game. It was the Panthers hosting the Roosters from Bluebet, and it was the Panthers winning thirty eight to twelve here in a pretty one-sided game, you know, started very competitive early. The Roosters got out to that 12-0 lead nom, but the Panthers clashed to really turn the game. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I guess it's cliche saying, you know, Nathan Cleary just steering the ship around, Brian Tall. He uh yeah, he was in a mood. Um I mean, from from super coach perspective, I'm cheering. You know, what, how do you really play against this this Panther side? They're just yeah, going from strength to strength, really. Yeah, and you know, even when they went down twelve nil, you know, you were never really concerned uh, watching the game. You're like, yeah, the, the Panthers will come back here. You know, the Roosters, it's a nice spirited uh, spirited fight to start the game, but the the way that Nathan Cleary did take over, and like you said, it is getting a bit cliche right now. But you know, I heard a lot of talk today in the commentary about Titans. Manly game about who's the best in the world. Is it Turbo or Tedesco? I feel like we're really disrespecting Nathan Cleary and what he's been doing the last year and a half because what he's been doing is phenomenal. Like the way he's taking the borderline, you know, he's now becoming one of the most lethal ball runners in the comp. When he wants to take on the line, the way he takes on the line, he can just like, you know, and obviously we did see Jason, I'm um, sorry, um, Takiyaho nearly took his head off on that run and you obviously had the the heart in the mouth, but when he wants to take the line on, you know, he normally nine times out of 10 does get through the line and makes a little break or scores a try and he's kicking in the way they were really starting to, you know, I think it was seven force dropouts or something ridiculous like that. It was, it was a masterpiece. Yeah. He's, he's such a complete half these days. Um, You know, he's had six years in first grade and um, you know, so over the past few years, he's cut some slack for, you know, not stepping up in the big stage or, but he's, you know, in the past 18 months, you know, I, we know that, you know, he didn't get the premiership, didn't get the origin series last year, but he's, he doesn't seem faced by all that. He just is coming on this year and he's um, yeah, doing all that. He, I feel like he's seeing the game as clearly as any other half can. And he's just such a complete halfback right now. It's, it's great to watch. It's really shaping up and, you know, it's we're now round 15, so we can start talking about end of the season and some other stuff, but it's really shaping up for him now to um, have one of the greatest all-time seasons. If he can win the minor premiership, if he can win the premiership, he will win the Dally M. He might win Origin, be the best player of the series for Origin, and he'll have the Australia jersey. It, it's shaping up to be one of the best all-time seasons if he can pull off a couple of things here. So that's why I'm just wanting everyone to kind of, you know, there's a lot of Cleary haters, a lot of Panther haters, and I'm one of them. I love watching the Panthers play, but obviously being a Parramatta fan, I do hate the Panthers. But you just got to kind of sit back because when, you know, when we were growing up, you know, there was a couple of those uh, Joey seasons, you know, 2001 in particular. Um, this might be in line with one of those. So it's, it's pretty it's pretty exciting to watch. So it's definitely one to, I'm going to keep an eye out for. And I think you can't really talk about this Cleary season without talking about that Panthers forward pack because what they did to that Roosters pack, who's been playing very well with Takiyaho, and Hargreaves and Crichton, the way that they really just got on the front foot and dominated them was something to watch. I think a guy like Fisher Harris and even Leota, who was coming in there, Liam Martin, your boy, just really doing the job. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Liam Martin, as you said, yeah, this this Panthers for pack and you know Isaiah, yo, he's um, mm. you know, there was a lot of question marks of his selection in in um, New South Wales, but geez, he does make a difference you know, in that middle. He's, he's a big body. He, he's that important link for the halves. Um, yeah, the, the, the Panthers' cold train just keeps rolling on here. Yeah, I think in the off-season, I definitely want to do something about, like, the most improved players from, like, you know, the start of their career to now. And easily, Isaiah Yeo's on the shortlist there because, you know, he was struggling to make first grade. They didn't know if he was a centre or a second rower. You know, play that position, but you see what he does now in the 13 jersey. He's literally 
one of the modern day 13s that you want. So it's really good stuff. In this game, I had the Panthers winning 20 to 16. So obviously the scoreline did blow out there, but you know, very probably the easiest selection of the week. Clear your top scorer in Supercoach and did not disappoint. A 280 for you as a captain. Kept you in the game, so you're obviously happy with that one. Yep, cheering. I'm going to ride, um, yeah, Damien Cleary and all the Panthers boys right to the, the finals. Very quickly, before we do move on, I do want to shout out the Roosters. Obviously, like we say every week, it's a season that's a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of new faces in the team. They're bloody a guy like Joseph Sawali. You know, it was a spirited performance in that first, you know, and really up until the point where Joey Manu did drop that uh, kickoff when they are up 12-0. Um, they were really in that game. So we always say, you know, you can't ride them off. They're a championship team. So just, yeah, they, they did well to start this game and they'll come back next week and they'll put on a good performance. Yeah, and I think Angus Crichton, he, he did really well this, way, this game. He was facing off with Liam Martin, you know, um, for, for that second row position. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely played his way into a Blues jersey. And we just got news just then that, um, yeah, he's straight, straight back into blue. So uh, no surprises there with the way he's playing. That's it. Uh, the first game on Saturday, it's your boys. You can take the lead on this one. Newcastle 10 defeating the Warriors 6. It was the lowest scoring game of the season. It was a game without Caelan Ponga. It was a game with a banged up Cody Nikarima and Reese Walsh. And it looked like that. But importantly, Newcastle got the win. How do you see this one going, mate? Yep. It was, um, it was a gritty, ugly win. And... In the conditions, I mean, you, you saw what the wind was doing to that ball. You know, um, Jake Clifford was just putting up those. Oh, no one, I don't think, even if Roger Tua Master Sheck was at the back, no one wanted to catch those balls. They were just a nightmare for any of those back three. Um, but look, it's it's what we needed. You know, we were at home, we're desperate for a win. We still without Kevin Ponga, but Mitchell Pierce, I think, yeah, him and. Um, Clifford, they, they looked really good. I was really surprised with Clifford taking over the main kicking duties. Um, but, yeah, they, I think the Knights look so much better just with Mitchell Pierce in there. It's it's actually incredible that your team relies so much in attack on a 30-plus-year-old halfback who is unwanted next season. The way <laughs> he just – he really does steer them around. And, you know, watching the game, he's literally – the one pointing, you know, Clifford's the one who's doing the kicking and the the running, but it's Pierce that's doing the, you get there, next run, you go here, you know, get deeper. He's the one instructing all of that, you know. This was a game, and I did say in my preview, you know, if Ponga plays, I pick Newcastle. If Ponga does not play, I pick the Warriors. But like you said, it was a gritty win, and it was something I think Adam O'Brien has been craving. The way you kind of been rolling over in some of these defeats, it was definitely one you can definitely... At the end of the season, if you're in the eight, this is one you can look back and go, our season changed at this point. I mean, I got to admit, as I guess as a Knights fan, and uh, I think a lot of our wins have been very gritty and uh, get our jail free because, you know, Bradman Best won us that that game when we lost uh, the Warriors, um, you know, earlier this season in, in the Central Coast. And we had Ken Pong get us out of jail against the Sharks. So I think it will be good just to, you know, be on the front foot for once. And, and I'm confident that, well, you know, once Ken Pong is back in team, we, we can uh, yeah, get something happening to the finals. Yeah. And it's, it's not a bad thing to win gritty all the time. You know, the Sharks have made years and years of doing it. It's just, you know, if, if you're not a really skilled team and this, even though this team has a lot of skill on paper, the way that a lot of the players in this Newcastle team have been performing, not really, hasn't been there. So... 
like you said, it was definitely against a team, like I say, if you're you're reversing a team that's around you on the ladder, you've got to get that win. And you guys got it. So shout out to that. To the Warriors side really quickly. Again, a lot of built-in excuses in this one. You had Vanilla Black who's coming back, his first start from injury. Reese Walsh looked like he picked up a knee knock as he, he was hobbling all game. Couldn't agree had the strap on the ankle the whole game. So there was, look, no way to Egan. A lot of excuses that could be put in there. The Warriors did need this one, but uh, so we're interested to see what they do moving forward because, you know, Reese Walsh, we've said it, he's young. He's very, he's, you know, n- not the biggest bloke. Are they rushing him into this star role at the number one? Should they be easing him in? I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but their season, you know, they're on. It's starting to get to that bit of they need to start winning a lot of games in a row here because they do have a bit of a bit of a tough draw um, after the the next round of buys. Uh, they've got a pretty pretty tough draw going into the final, so they've got to start. You know, the teams like Newcastle, they've got to get the wins here. Yeah, just just on Reese Walsh, um, you know, with Harry Grant out of uh, Origin contention now, um, do you feel like he, he's ready? Do you feel like you know this past game was? He had a lot of sort of mixed bag. Do you think he did himself any favor to um, you know, play himself into contention here? Even if he came out and scored four tries, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick him for Origin. The the track record of picking. Yeah. I think this was his seventh first grade game. Like you know, he, he's a superstar. He's going to play a lot of Origin. There's no doubt about that. But to they're down in the series. It's at home. A vocal crowd who will get on you if you're doing the wrong thing. Um, you know, he's going to come on. And, yeah, he's come on and done a couple of super subs things. But to me, obviously, it looks like Grant's going to be out. So uh, it'll be Ben Hunt going into the nine. If AJ Brimson's fit, AJ Brimson. Otherwise, I don't know if you're just wasting a bench spot there. But, again, it's just really going to see what, what type of team they want to play because if they throw him in there, it's a tall order. And it's, it shows, a, a, to me, it shows a bit of desperation on the Queensland side of you picking an 18-year-old Reese Walsh after seven, seven first-grade games. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it, it would have been a bit of a roll of dice, but I mean, is that what Queensland need right now? I mean, you know, they obviously can't do the same thing what they did in Townsville. So whether they need a bit of X fact out there, that's uh, would be interesting to see um, what the teams go up tomorrow. Hundred percent. Quickly on a super coach perspective, I did have Ponga as the top point score. Obviously, didn't play. Mitch Pierce came in for the Knights. First game in and eighty points. So you love that if you held Piercey. But the top scorer in the game, Tohu Harris, Mr. Reliable. You know, in a draft league, he's an easy captain option. And in classic, you've got to get him because he's going to bank you at least a 70 every week. Yeah, that's it. And he's a great option with the upcoming buy round because the Warriors are playing. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking to um, get him in. That's it. Uh, We'll go to the second Saturday game. It was the St. George Illawarra Dragons defeating the Canberra Faders. That's right, the Faders, not the Raiders, 22 to 20. We were in the pub watching this one, Nom. Uh, obviously, it was on the big screen until a couple of the young blokes at the front wanted the A-League on for some reason. Don't know why, but, you know, each to their own. Um, but, you know, Canberra had this in the bag. You know, it can't, when, when it went over to the small screen, you know, Canberra was in the lead by, I think, two tries. We kind of started talking, but then we started seeing, you know, the Dragons pop up with a couple of tries, and all of a sudden, uh, the game's over, the Dragons have won. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, from a super coach perspective, it looks like Ben Hunt had a lot to do with it because he he turned up. He got a hundred and seven, I think. Yeah, I, I was versing Ben Hunt. It was very upsetting. Um, 
when the game was over, you know, we we're watching it from a distance. Um, and you know, there wasn't didn't look like anything spectacular was happened, you know. But then I checked the score and Ben Hunt's on 107. So cost me the cost me the round win. But um <laughs> yeah, you know what? This this the Dragons needed this. Like we said, they were on a bit of a losing streak, you know, seven of nine and all that stuff. And we thought Canberra had finally turned the corner from their early season, you know, fading in the second half, but not to be. And, you know, Ricky Stewart's got a lot of, you know, this is, if they won this game, they were right on the doorstep of the eight. But now this firms the Dragons in the, in the eight and the Canberra Raiders is now, it's now turning into, they're now turning into a bit of a must-win scenario here because they've, again, they've got some tough games coming up. And you needed to beat the teams under you and around you. So it's very interesting. What are you seeing from Raiders here? Because we've seen it all season. Start great, finish slow, and get rolled over in the end. What needs to change from the Raiders here? Because chances of walking back into that door. George Williams has gone home. This is Rick, Ricky's got the same players to pick from. So he's got to do something different. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Because I guess there's no real excuses for the way they're playing. Look, they, like you said, there's no real players to come back in this season. So this is all that stick has to work with. Um, look, I think Simonson has been pretty good from the back. Um, Top they did offer impact off the bench. But to be honest, I, I usually have an opinion on these sort of things, but I have no clue what where to with the Raiders. I'm not sure if it's a mental thing, um, you know, whether just... I guess round week is is, a ch- is another chance for them to sort of regroup, refresh, because, uh, yeah, I'm lost. I really want the Canberra Raiders, if I was Ricky Stewart, I would be calling all the other clubs who have a distressed asset at halfback and see what I can get them for. I would be going to, you know, a Bulldogs and say, what, what do you want for Kyle Flanagan? I'd be going to the Sharks and saying, all right, you're not going to re-sign Sean Johnson. Let's do a place so you can get something now. I'll be going to, I'll be going to all those different clubs and just saying, what what do you want? I need a halfback because as much as I love Sam Williams and he'll do a job, you kind of saw in this in this Dragons game they kind of just said, you know, we're not going to let Jack White beat us. We're going to like play it off. We're not going to give uh, Josh Hodgson any time our dummy half. You know, he started the game really well, Josh, but then again faded towards the end. And then the forward pack just kind of matched forward packs. And then, you know, it, just was, it was a scrappy win. It was, if I'm, a, if I'm a Canberra fan, like you said, you're a bit lost for words because this was the one to really get to that next level. You know, you beat the Broncos. Then you went in, you know, you got a, you got a couple of wins on the trot here. And then you you let, in a, you let in a performance like this. It's really upsetting. But if you're a Dragons fan, all of a sudden now you're cemented in the eight. You know, you, you've you've already had your your buy, so you know you're playing around seven. You can get a couple of wins here in a row and really get the momentum going. Yeah, so look, Dragons they're they're up to seventh now, so and they got an all right point differential. Um, yeah, it looks it'd be interesting to see how far they do make it, but um, yeah, I guess in this competition. Especially, you know, the fact that there's so much congestion. As long as you beat the teams around you, then um, you, you give yourself a pretty good chance at the end of the season, right? Hundred percent. You've got to you've got to beat the teams around you. And the Dragons, you know, they're now. You look at the top six. The top the top six is cemented. And at the end of the podcast, we'll quickly run through the ladder. Um, but it's basically from the Dragons and down. So the Dragons are now being hunted. And you know, the teams that when they do cop with teams against, you know, from uh, positions eight to twelve. It's now going to be a battle because they are, they are going to be the hunted. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. 
but again, the Raiders, this was a golden chance. And to me, this was one of my locks of the week. I really thought that it would come in. I predicted this 30 to 18 to the Raiders. I thought they would do it pretty comfortably. And again, just they, they let it slip. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Uh, like you said, I think a lot of teams will use uh, next week's um, rep round to kind of reassess and see uh, how to plunge forward for the rest of the season. Uh, and there's two teams that will be looking at it a little bit differently. All right, we'll move on to the last game on Saturday. Probably the funnest game I've watched live. Uh, all the boys were there, crowded around the small TV. It was the Melbourne Storm, 66, defeating the West Tigers, 16. And Nom, this one was ugly from the start. We thought 80 was a chance. We, we, were, we, were, we were chanting when they were beating the clock. Where do we start? Where do we start with this absolute mugging? Oh, it was a feeling frenzy, wasn't it? So that memory it was five tries in the first 15 minutes you know when you know nelson uh big nelson picked up the ball from dummy half and passed over it was just all over red road like it was just an absolute oh, if you're a tigers fan if you're a man child, surely you just switch off and like walk out of the room at, at that point it was just really ugly I don't even know. It's it's a game where I don't even know how to kind of analyze it. You know, we don't go into the X's and O's in this podcast. We kind of just like, you know, say what we think. But I don't even know if you're Madge, like you said, obviously it's come out that at halftime, he kind of just said to him, you got yourselves into this shit, get out of it. And he kind of walked it out. But where do you go? Because they put, Melbourne put on 66. And I said that um, the Rabbits were in third gear. Melbourne didn't even get out of second. This was a training, like Rich was saying when we were watching it. No one from Melbourne was sweating. It was a training. It was a train. It was literally a training run, and they put sixty six on. And there was there was a forward pass from Munster to Oldham that could have been called either way. So that's that's seventy. Hines missed a couple of goals. Eighty was there. I'm telling you. And they really backed off that last twenty minutes. Melbourne backed off. They didn't. If they wanted to go for eighty, they could have got it pretty easily. I don't even know where. To, if you're like you said, if you're a Tigers fan. I, I said before the start of the season that Magic McGuire wouldn't last the season and I'd be shocked if he lasts because, you know, I showed that picture in the group chat of him on it when he signed for the Tigers, you know, he had black hair and now he's got the beard with the grey hair. It's, I don't know where you even do if you're a Tigers fan. To be honest, I'm surprised he didn't do a Matthew Elliott and, you know, hung his tie up <laughs> as a joke. But, geez, I mean, I can't believe that Adokar didn't score this game. Oh, it was... <laughs> I think it was 10 different try scorers for Melbourne. Addo Carr, the leading try scorer of the NRL, wasn't one of them. That's uh, 100 to 1 odds right there. Oh, <laughs> for him like, not to score on this. And yeah, just I'll run through quickly just the the when the try was scored, so the minute. Just to, like you said, that that opening barrage, second minute, fourth minute, ninth minute, twelfth minute, fifteenth minute. Then they have a little, they have a little lull. Then 27, 37, 41, 44, 47, 50. Like it was literally, I think we saw the one stat where it was something like um, after 25 minutes, Melbourne had made like three tackles or six tackles or something ridiculous. It was, like I said, I'm at a loss for it. I don't know how to even, you know, try and analyze it and say, because I don't know where the Tigers will get better because we say it every time they have a big loss or a disappointing loss that, you know, there's no leadership on this team. Luke Brooks isn't the answer. We were laughing that Robbie Farrell was doing the, 
the pep talk behind the behind the goalpost, and they leaked a try literally 50 seconds later. So that didn't work. James Tarmow, who was brought in from the Panthers to, you know, instill as the captain of this side, you know, he won a premiership. He like, you know, won a minor premiership and he's won a premiership before. He was benched for most of the game. I, I don't know where you go. So basically, if Madge comes in his place of reserve grade side next week, I don't blame him. If Melbourne, if Melbourne, you know, come out and you know, put a couple more scores like this on another couple of teams. I won't be surprised because again, Ryan Pappenhausen did not play in this game. Jesse Bromwich did not play in this game. You had a guy like Adokai who didn't score. Munster, you know, had a bit of a run and then did nothing. Brandon Smith had a cork knee, came off after like 35 minutes. It was a training run. I can't take anything from it. I, I don't think Melbourne is, I don't, I don't think Melbourne's going to win the title any more than I thought before the game. I didn't think the Tigers were less shit than I thought they were before the game. It just this game, I throw it out because it was fun to watch and cheer on in the bar. But in terms of what it means for the actual NRL competition in 2021, I don't take anything from it. Oh, you know, you know, it's a bad loss when um, I was I watched a bit of the Craig Bellamy press conference, and even Craig Bellamy felt sorry for the Tigers. So, um, you know, when your opposition coach is feeling sorry for you, then um, yeah, no words, <laughs> no words. Now, in this one, who did I have? I had Munster and Hines. That was a, as my top point scorers. That was a bit of a, just for me personally, I wanted to see that. But the man who came out and did the job was uh, Jerome Hughes, 115. Oh, so obviously you you were versing Dave, who had him as the captain. And I think Jerome was on about 10 at half time, And then obviously that second half. And I think the one that really made us all laugh was uh, Jacob Little went for the, two on, the one-on-one strip. Stefano jumped on the tackle at the last second, gave away a penalty. You saw Hines, Munster, and Hughes all run towards the ball 30 metres out to try and get the quick tap. Jerome got it, quick tap, sprinted through, try. And it was just one of those ones where it's like, of course that's going to happen. That's a that's like a 50-point play right there. Line break, few tackle busts. Oh, <laughs> that was a big uh, purple-sized dildo ready for me. Oh, uh, and you know what? Like you know, when the when you're versing a guy in Super Coach and he's there next to you while the pumping is happening, it makes it even worse because, like we know, Dave. Dave's like, oh, you're going to win, mate. You know, top top work for you. But then he's fist, he's pumping the fist every time Jerome makes a little break. It's just uh it's tough. That Dave's Dave's a man of a few words, but even he was very chirpy after that game. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody hell. And just to kind That's of summarize. <laughs> what super coach is and the, the cruelty of it. Again, I've got five Melbourne Storm players, all backline players. Melbourne scores 66. I'm going to lose my round because I picked the wrong guys. It was just one of those ones where I was cheering because of the score, but I'm going, hang on a second. Where's my Olam try? Where's my Munster try? Where's my, what's my, it was tough. Mate, I'm telling you the fact that Addo card did not score is the biggest stitch up all season. <laughs> Before we before we go, we better also we 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 still going to start running through the ladder. We better start running through the the try scoring race because it's getting very close now without Okai not scoring in this round. So we'll quickly track that at the end of the round as well. But moving on to the next game, it was the second last game of the round, first Sunday game. My Parramatta Eels defeating the Kenya Bankstown Bulldogs thirty six to ten. And in this one, you know, I'm not going to lie, my Parramatta. Uh, Glasses were on, and I thought we were going to lose that game at halftime. We were down 10-6, and I didn't know what was happening. Bulldogs, you know, thought they were going to carry on that form from beating the Dragons last week. But Mitch Moses again, and he's starting to play some really good footy. You know, a lot of people call him the flat-track bully. 
you know, he's obviously beaten up the Tigers and the Bulldogs in two straight weeks, but I'm loving seeing this version of Mitch Moses come out. Yeah, he's, uh, um, yeah, he really turned on, didn't he, in that second half? You know, he got that try, got a few assists. Um, Mitch Moses, who would have thought we would have seen this more mature side of him? You know, he's not that sort of touch footy player that we saw in that, um, was it the World Nines? Mm. Um, you know, he, he's, he's very much matured his game. And um, as a para fan, you, you'd love to see, see that from your main playmaker there. Well, I was, I was laughing with Jason last night when we were watching that Tigers game. You know, it was, there was in the off season a couple of years ago, we were deciding between Luke Brooks and Mitch Moses. And I don't know what my life would have been if we signed uh, Luke Brooks. I think I would have officially handed him my Parramatta resignation as a fan because I don't think I could have done that. But Mitch is, yeah, like you said, still got a bit of a hothead mentality on him. And, you know, he still does, you know, is tends to make that one mistake a game where you kind of just scratch your head and go, you're better than that. But yeah, he's he's the partnership, the partnership with him, Brown and Gutherson, you know, as that kind of three headed attack. Dylan Brown just takes the line on, which I really like. You know, he's he's a, a state uh base that god in super coach, you know, just takes a lot of runs. Gutho, obviously that left to right, that right to left pass, normally deceiver, but uh sent over Sean Russell for a couple of tries today. And then Mitch, you know, just taking on the line, kicking in, one of the best kicking games in the comp. I love to see. I love seeing it today. You know, Nathan Brown had a hand in a try. Paulo on the on the Campbell Gillard for a try. This was just a complete team performance, and I think Brad Arthur will be happy with the result. But obviously, we'll need to get back to that first half because that first half, the Bulldogs did put up a good showing. And I think let's go to them a little bit here. I think it's really impressive that Trent Barrett. You know, again, these new coaches that come in, you kind of just, uh, look at their results. You got to look at who's on the park, and the kind of telling thing to me would be if Trent Barrett had the Broncos squad and if Kevin Walters had the Bulldogs squad, would the teams be different? And I really do think that if Trent Barrett had the quality of a Broncos squad, you would see a lot better performances in there. So I'm excited for if you're a Bulldogs fan. I think they're on the right track and they're starting to, you know, play some good footy down the track like they always do. They always finish the seasons well somehow. I feel like we've had the same conversation for the past few years where, you know, the Bulldogs always finish on a high note but for whatever reason when they start the season they just um yeah started like absolute crap but you know with the signings coming in next year hopefully hopefully we'll see some you know, some bite out of, out of this dog's pack no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think yeah they've got a couple of cornerstones you know luke thompson up front has been really good for them all season you know adam elliott unfortunately uh fractured his cheekbone i think today but he's been playing some good footy you know, Jack Hetherington, I think he's a grub and, you know, he's played a couple of good games in a row here. So they've got some options. Once Josh Jackson, who I think should retire this year, maybe one more season tops, they can get a really good 13 in there. Um, you know, Faye Barron, your boy, has been out, you know. If they just get some troops and they can stay fit, it's a team that I think next season, um, like you said, can, can make a little bit of a run. You know, probably not going to make the eight, but I can definitely stay away from the spoon. I think that's... The next stage of this progression, you know, you get some signings, you find some good young players. Now you get away from the spoon. I think that's where it logically needs to move to. But quickly on the Parramatta side, once again, do, do I think they're a genuine title contender? Not yet. I think, you know, they're going to make that top four. Uh, it's a hot race now with Manly trying to uh, pip the, you know, the Rabbits, the Parramatta Eels. There's always going to be someone consistent on their toes here. But Parramatta, you know, they're beating up on the bad teams, which I enjoy. And we'll get we'll get a true test um, because next week 
it's Parramatta versus Panthers at Blue Bet. So the last time we walked in a Blue Bet, we got absolutely demolished. It was when, you know, we were the only team that beat the Panthers last year. We walked into Blue Bet and it wasn't even a close. I think our average average uh, meters per set was something like 22 meters. They absolutely flogged us. So I'm really interested to see as a Parramatta fan how we do stand up because that will be the game of the season in terms of a Parramatta fan if we're any, if we're any chance. So very interesting to watch. Yeah, that is going to be an absolute block Friday night blockbuster and um, Battle of the West. It's, it's going to be a good one. 100%. Quickly on this one, uh, predicted scoreline 38 to 6. So pretty close on that one. And I did have Mitch Moses as the top point scorer, which he was. So we'll take the win on that one. But we'll move on to the last game, Nom. And this was, you said a best in uh, a couple of messages before we started recording. As a non Tom Turbo super coach owner, this absolutely sucked. It was the Manly Seagulls somehow. And when I say somehow, they looked dead. When Dave Fafita went over in the 37th minute, to make it 24 to 8, I think at that stage. Yeah, 24 to 8. All the momentum. I thought, here we go again. Here's Manly just before Origin laying an egg like they did to Newcastle that round. But Manly Seagulls 56 defeating the Gold Coast Titans 24. And this was an absolute mugging in the second half. How did you see this one going, mate? Oh, this game, I mean, we talked about Canberra Raiders being, you know, second half faders. Titans, they must be up there in terms of knowing how to lose a match because, you know, halftime, they were well ahead in this game, 24 to 8. And then, you know, straight after halftime, um, you know, Jason Saab, then Ruben Garrick scores. And then Ruben Garrick scores another 10 tries. And then, you know, it was all over. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely a match of two halves here. Pretty much like what we saw last week against Titans and Roosters as well. Exactly right. And just to me, the way that they faded, it was the, the way Manly was scoring their tries in the second half. It wasn't brilliance. It was literally just outnumbering. It was going through the middle. They were making so many easy meters. And, you know, again, let's really run through the times of these tries in the second half. So 43, 45. Hello, Neural fans. We learned an interesting lesson just then. Make sure your laptop is charged. Apologies to Nom. Cut him off there mid-sentence. Didn't check the battery level on the laptop and the meeting ended straight away. So Nom was really excited to see that one. Obviously, the big super coach score from Tom Travoyevich looks like he's currently in line for the third biggest one of all time, 201. Might be getting some upgrades again to number two. But again, like we said, an absolute mugging. The way that the tries were scored, it was all in consecutive sets. It was, you know, nothing major that Manly was doing to kind of really, you know, do anything differently than what they were doing in the first half. It was just the slide defense wasn't there. It was through the middle. The force didn't muscle up. It was just one of those games where you kind of look at it and just, if you're a Titans fan, if you're Justin Holbrook, you're kind of shaking your head because the difference between the first half and the second half of that game was too far. Uh, an NRL team shouldn't have a big momentum swing like that. In you know, they had that game comfortably won by the end of the first half. You know, Vossi made a call on the on the commentary to say, you know, if they scored 30, would they feel comfortable? And obviously they did end up leaking more than 50. So it was just one of those wins for Manly. They, you know, again, get the four and against the outside backs scoring at will, Jason Saab, Ruben Garrick through the middle. The forwards really controlled, you know, uh Paseka, Tapau, Olakowatu, all running through the middle. No Jake Trevojevic in this game. Obviously, he's injured out for a couple of weeks. So it makes it even more impressive 
and Daly Cherubin's Kieran Foran combining well. Manly's just rolling at the moment. And, you know, it was a blip in the first half. We thought it could be, you know, again, like I said earlier, something like that Newcastle game where they just let it slip. But in this game, it was just too comfortable. So an easy win for Manly here. The Titans, you know, fall victim to the Tom Turbo show again. A lot of talk if he's the best player in the world right now. It's definitely, you know, it's a conversation. But, yeah, when he's on the field, it's something very, very special at the moment. And that will do it for the round 15 uh, review, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back later in the week. Obviously, we'll talk about the uh, the re- review of round 16. Uh, that will be in a couple of weeks because we've got the rep round next week. So have a bit of an origin flavor. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the Pacific test as well. And then we can get into some other stuff, maybe talk about some where some players will be signing, maybe another couple of topics or two in the next two weeks to kind of fill the content. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. Hear from you soon. Cheers.